1973, a group of indigenous artists formed a collective. The press called them the Indian Group of Seven. Their goal? To raise the profile of indigenous art. It was all or nothing. We're representing all our people. And create a permanent space in galleries for indigenous artists in Canada and around the world. That was really a rock star moment for me. I'm Soleil Lunier, and this is Among Equals, the history and legacy of the professional native Indian artists, Inc. Listen wherever podcasts are heard. Art Slice is a different dive into art history. We goof around, we curse, you learn from it, but don't expect a typical lecture. You're welcome. From Welcome to Art Slice, short, a bite-sized serving of art history. I'm Stephanie Duenas. And I'm Russell Shoemaker, back listeners with some snacks. Normally here at Art Slice, we wake you up, we shake the cobwebs, the academia, the art history brain out of you, give you a little consensual smack on the butt. <gasps> oh my God. And push you outside into the sunshine <laughs> to wander around. Your eyes are like squinting in the sun because we forgot to hand you your sunglasses. But for Art Slice shorts, we put a little blanket around you. We give you a little consensual hug. We sit you down on the porch, spray you with just a little bit of DEET, make sure the mosquitoes don't get to you, and let your eyes adjust to the sunshine. These shorts, listeners, are a little different from our typical episodes. These are a little more open, a little less structured. We don't dig as deeply into the story. Maybe we cover artists who are still alive and making work, or artworks that normally wouldn't be considered art history, but are just as important. So, if you want a full serving of art history, we recommend you check out one of our full episodes. Stephanie, what are we talking about today? Today we will be discussing Memento Number no. 5 by Carrie James Marshall, which is acrylic, glitter, and silkscreen on unstretched canvas from 2003. Stephanie, you know my brain heard you say Memento Number no. 5 by Carrie James Marshall, but my, my other brain deep inside my big brain, the smaller brain inside of my brain, okay. the brain that stores the information that should not be stored, uh, okay. that that heard uh, Mambo Number no. 5. <gasps> oh my god, right? And then I, the song just started playing in my brain. I thought it was just me and I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to bring it up because now it's stuck in my head. It's happening. Uh, you're welcome, listeners. I don't want to relive Mambo Number no. 5, although <laughs> okay. I was in a really terrible band when I was younger and we tried to cover Mambo Number no. 5. What? Yeah, we were like a... What? We were not a good band. We were like... <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. We, but it was funny because we were like a sludgy, like electronic. Excuse me? Yeah. Why didn't I know this? Why, why did you I know guess, this? I guess Mambo Number no. 5 never ever came up. Yeah, it's not something that just, uh, you know... (laughs) You don't hear it playing anywhere. It doesn't just come up out of the blue. (laughs) And the CD we recorded it on back in the day when there was only, like, Fruity Loops, uh, that's been lost to time. So don't look for it, please, God. Are you saying it's out there? It might be. Okay. You know what else is out there? What? This painting. Okay. All right. This is a painting that I have always loved, even since I was a kid. You mean because it's shiny? That's a part of it. That's part of it. It's a piece that you and I have both seen a lot. Um, because it is almost always on display yep. in our hometown museum. Which is ironic, Stephanie, for one reason in particular. Let me stop you right there. Kay. We will absolutely okay. get okay. to that. Okay. But first, listeners, as always, you can find all of the images that we discussed today on our Instagram page or our website at ArtSlicePod. Or ArtSlicePod.com. 
All right. So Kerry James Marshall, KJM, while he is a contemporary painter, he has also made video work, photography, sculpture, and has an ongoing comic book series. And as recently as last year, his work was featured on the cover of Vogue. And this year he was actually featured in Black Art in the Absence of Light, which is a really great documentary. KJM was born in the 1950s in Birmingham, this Alabama. Is weird. I, it is like weird. everybody that we've covered has died in like the 1950s. I know. The only other artist that's been alive that we've covered is Jasper Johns. Uh, he doesn't count. I mean, he is it's alive, like technically. I'm not wishing technically death. Technically alive? I'm oh not wishing God. death on Jasper Johns. No, Seiichi Hayashi is also alive, okay, too. He's really, he's really old. Okay. They're both very old. Yeah, these, they're like our parents' age. Okay. This is why I'm like, ugh. Okay. Uh, so, KJ was born in the 50s in Birmingham, Alabama, but his family moved west, and eventually they settled near south-central Los Angeles, near the Black Panther headquarters in the Watts neighborhood. Both his experience in Alabama and in South Central L.A. would leave a lasting impression on a young Carrie. This was unavoidable. He was certainly impacted by everything that was happening at the time. Right. um, And probably even as it continues to this day. So a lot of things were going on both in Birmingham and L.A. at this time in regards to the civil rights movement. A lot of complexities that we are just not going to have time to get into detail, much like we would in a full episode. In Birmingham in the 1950s, under Jim Crow laws, as we discussed in the Augusta Savage episode, Black Americans just wanted to see some progress towards the way they were being treated, right? Which was constantly being dehumanized and terrorized. Right. Black Americans were tired and fed up and they became politically active. Mm. And they had leaders like, I think you've heard of this one, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, perhaps? he's the, he's the uh, Dodge uh, Ram truck guy, right? During the Super Bowl ad. What? No, please remind me. Okay, well, the uh, there was a Dodge Ram truck uh-huh. ad advertisement. It was very emotional. They played an MLK <laughs> uh, Jr. sermon on top of it. That's gross. But he specifically, Martin Luther King Jr. specifically had sermons on how immoral it was for people who worked for a living to not be able to afford a car, or in this case, a truck on a year's salary, which I think a Dodge Ram will run you like forty or $60,000, depending on how many fucking Hemis you want to put on it. So most people... It? Do you put Hemis in it or on it. I don't know what that is. Do they is. go around it? No idea. Okay. No idea. Does it sit in the passenger seat? I don't even know what a Hemi is. Okay. Sorry. I'm very confused. Got Hemi. How do you spell that? Anyway, okay. moving on, moving on. So following MLK's example, they all took to the streets participating in protests and, <gasps> oh no, they started moving into new neighborhoods. And the KKK was like, no, thank you. We like our cheesecake factories to be racially pure. So they started bombing the houses of black families and they bombed a black church that killed four children with fucking dynamite, Stephanie, yeah. in the 50s and 60s. It's fucked up. Black Birmingham residents kept protesting. I mean, I cannot imagine the kind of patience one must have to just not burn the fucking city down after the people in your community were being bombed. These protests were not easy. They were met with police, tear gas, fire hoses, arrests. And what finally tipped the scale was a photo of a young black man being attacked by police dogs. So this was on the front page of the New York Times, but conveniently, the Birmingham newspaper on the same exact day buried the same story on like page two or three. It's a shame that it takes national coverage to get something done. Anyway, there was some progress, and that came through in the Civil Rights Act of 1964. KJM was about seven years old when this was all going down. So if you can imagine being a child and seeing this either firsthand or just in the news or just feeling the anxiety that your parents felt at this time, you can kind of get inside the mind of Carrie James Marshall. 
Meanwhile, in Los Angeles, just a year later, the Watts riots of 1965 broke out. And at this time, there was a split between the nonviolent resistance that MLK Jr. had advocated for and younger civil rights leaders like Malcolm X, who taught, hey, um, maybe don't just let the police beat you to death. Like maybe fight back. <laughs> maybe fight back if you need to. The population in Los Angeles had also changed dramatically due to the second Great Migration. Now, we discussed the first Great Migration in the Augusta Savage episode, episode 9. This was very similar, but instead of only heading north, black families also headed west. So the black population in Los Angeles skyrocketed from about 70,000 residents to 700,000 residents. So what sparked the Watts riots was a drunk driver being pulled over. He was a young man named Marquette. While he was being arrested, his brother and his mother showed up at the scene (laughs) to scold him for drunk driving, which then turned into an argument with the police that quickly escalated when his mother was pushed by one of the officers. Marquette was beaten with a baton, and then a rumor quickly spread that the police had harmed a pregnant woman, which wasn't true, but the community showed up and they started rioting. Now, if this seems like an overreach, please keep in mind that minorities in Los Angeles were heavily policed and heavily discriminated against. Nearly 95% of Southern California housing was off-limits to minorities. This meant that children would have gone to overcrowded public schools, they didn't have the option to move many other places, they had to stay in these densely packed areas like Watts or Compton. Even if they could find jobs or education elsewhere, the public transportation was so awful that it would have been almost impossible to even get there. Yeah. To make things worse, the mayor of Los Angeles had chosen not to put money into job programs or education in that area. And the people who had moved there likely faced persecution back at home, so everyone was just fucking fed up. It was enough. And this is the kind of narrative that KJM is interested in showing an audience, right? So the Black Panthers are evil, but Fred Hampton was just trying to give his community protection, food, and health care. Right. These L.A. rioters are gangsters, but they were just segregated and forced to live in these dilapidating buildings. I mean, they act like you can just climb this ladder that is accessible to everyone if you just want it enough. Right. That's not real. But what they don't tell you is that instead of a ladder, you are just given a bag of sticky used popsicle sticks, you know, that used to have like a like a bomb pop on them or something, but they're just recycled. And then they give you like a, a little plastic tube of Elmer's glue, not even like the real kind of glue, but they're like the roll on like how it's like half dry, sticky, not even usable. Can you still read the jokes on the popsicle sticks? No, they're old. Then that's fucked up then. Can't climb out of a racially segregated neighborhood. Can't even have a chuckle. So it's a confusing time in the 1960s. It's a complicated narrative. There wasn't just one correct way of advocating for social change. And this is what KJM is addressing in his souvenir series. All right, so let's just summarize real quick what KJM's works typically look like and what they're about. So his paintings are usually in acrylic and there are themes about black culture and history. He is giving black people a place in a space where they have been traditionally and historically left out of the frame or when they are represented, they are usually depicted in stereotypical and or subservient roles. In his work, KJM inserts black figures into classical compositions. Just think about these kinds of paintings that you would typically learn about in your art history classes. Or he's depicting black figures in everyday scenes like hair salon or Mm -hmm. a barbershop. But he also doesn't shy away from the ugly truth, right? Like government housing. Right. 
or sometimes you'll see a boy laying on the ground. I can think of in one painting of his, and you're kind of like, is that boy relaxing? Is that boy been is hurt? He, is he playing? Yeah. So there's a lot of layers to his work. The Souvenir series is a series of five paintings that KGM created from 1997 to 2003 that focuses on the loss of leaders in politics, literature, arts, and music in the 1960s, but also commemorates different aspects of the civil rights movement and the Black liberation struggle. So the souvenirs here are memories, pieces of a turbulent time, Hmm. but a time that did bring about some change. It seems like the work that was made by Augusta Savage or Jacob Lawrence, but this was in his lifetime, you know, and he's making it today. Right. Gotcha. It's just mind blowing to think about that. This artist is like in his 60s and he made work about stuff that we've been talking about happening like over 100 years ago. I mean, Augusta Savage was still alive during the Watts riots. Yeah. Yeah, if you she was think elderly, about it like that. Yeah. They're overlapping. They are overlapping, of course. History's a weird mindfuck, especially when shit hasn't changed much. At first glance, the paintings in the series look like paintings of normal but vintage living rooms. Right, but the longer you look at them, you see more and more and more of those layers. More is unveiled to you. So by doing this, KJM is giving us a visual metaphor of how aspects of black figures and black history are swept under the rug. All right, listeners, we're just going to quickly talk about the series overall and some different aspects that we find in each one of them. So to start, in every painting, there is a different interior of a home. And there's also an older black angel inviting us to join her in a ritual of mourning and celebration. I mean, we should point out that KJM's figures in general are black, like like black, black, not black. Not shades of yeah. brown. Not shades Straight of brown, black. black. And that black is a stark contrast to that traditionally uh, porky pig pink uh, white figures that we see in art history, right? The, those rosy Caucasian tones like my porky pig pink face over here <laughs> those rococo tones rococo tones beautiful beautiful you, wait do you do you think i have a porky pig pink face um no of course okay. not never all right you can okay. i don't know anyway so kjm <laughs> plays with all kinds of contrast in his works right so he will use patterns next to other patterns and colors next to screen printed photos he uses a lot of flat geometric planes of color next to representational or even abstracted areas where he's just like wildly moving his brush around right with thick wide brush marks I love thick wide brush marks Stephanie do you know that love it yeah I oh, do man it's yeah. juicy anyway and uh, <laughs> what I really love is how much he fucks with your regular old contrast right so opposing colors next to one another think yellow and purple so opposite on the color wheel right those contrast and they they tend to make colors oscillate next to one another right or light and dark and my favorite he actually plays with low contrast too especially in memento number five so think of something with contrast so light and dark but it's been dimmed by a filter So in most of these paintings, listeners, the angel is tending to something, tending to bouquets of flowers, almost like what you'd see at a funeral. So speaking of funerals, who are we mourning? Who are we commemorating? There's a range of political leaders like MLK or Fred Hampton from the Black Panthers to everyday people who were activists, not just Black people, who all contributed to the civil rights movement. Right. But he also includes 
cultural figures like artists, musicians, and writers who were giants or pioneers in their industry and whose deaths were also a blow to the Black community. So, for example, in this painting, we see musicians like Otis Redding, Smokey Hogg, and Magic Sam on a giant scroll floating in the middle of the room, right? Totally normal. And there's a grandma angel there. She is (laughs) sitting there, bobbing her head to probably Smokey Hogg, inviting you to sit down on the opposite side of the couch and listen to music with her. Mm-hmm, bobbing along. And then in other compositions, there are also artist names and important figures from the Harlem Renaissance, more specifically, like Augusta Savage mm-hmm. and W.E.B. Du Bois. So they're all spelled out in text, and that is something that he uses throughout the Memento paintings, right? So often the text is very decorative, like what you might see in a greeting card, but there also are a lot of other decorative aspects like glittered wings, mm-hmm. like rope, fringe, stencils, cloud out lines, which is unusual for a painting because this sort of mixed media work is more typical of collage Mm -hmm. instead of paintings, right? Yep. Well, and another aspect is that these paintings aren't stretched on stretcher bars. They're Mm. hung up on grommets, which are used to easily hang banners like at parades or funerals. Do you remember those like thick, punky emo belts from the (laughs) early 2000s that had holes in them? Yeah. I mean, that's just like a basic... That's a basic grommet. Basic version of a grommet. Okay. That's how uh, Catholic high school goth Stephanie okay. uh, learned about grommets. She was hanging out at Hot Topic after after school hours. Okay, no. No, I learned about it oh, in my home sil- ed class. What are okay. these silver holes in this belt? I was about gothy, to say, gothy belt. you're a silver hole. Let's talk about Memembo. Memembo <laughs> number five. I love this. It is instant karma for calling me a silver hole, <laughs> whatever a silver hole is. I'm not sure. Exactly. You would know silver hole. Memento number five is a large, almost mural-sized painting that is almost completely painted in shades of black, white, and gray. And they're overlaid with squares of silver glitter, which overall end up looking like a patterned curtain Mm. over the living room interior. Besides for the curtains and the floating heads, which we'll get to, it looks like the home of like a 1950s television show. And (laughs) this painting is, like Stephanie was saying, monochromatic. What? I don't don't know. I think I guess I I was expecting the Pontrimon. Well, I put them outside because this is a short. So I didn't want them like interrupting your flow. Okay. Steph, we don't we don't have a fence. Are they just are they just running around the neighborhood terrorizing? Um, like, are they trying to eat children's crayons right now? No, 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 no. I fed, I fed them, so the little neighborhood ninos are okay. Just look out the window. Check it out. Actually, no, no, don't look. Why wouldn't I want to look out the window, Stephanie? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, the, the central figure, the angel figure, is walking towards us, and she is parting the glitter curtains. She might be closing them, too. I'm not sure. She is not what we would typically expect when we say the word angel, right? Yeah. Usually expect like a... It's not a naked baby floating in the sky. A white jolly cherub, basically. (laughs) Um, No, she's the opposite. She's black, like literally black. And she's an older woman. And she's fully clothed. That is... That is true. She's not wearing a diaper. <laughs> She's not wearing a diaper. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So for me, before the glitter, believe it or not, the black figure caught my eye when I first saw this work as a kid. So it's a stark contrast to the other figures that live in the museum paintings, like you said, Russell. Yeah. But for a kid, it's like, whoa, like black people can live in paintings too, <laughs> and they can also be angels. And she's actually very solemn, uh, echoing that monochromatic... Um, Russell, they're outside. Okay. Uh, uh, monochromatic palette, 
And then you notice between the glitter curtains are the years 1960, 1961, 1962, spelled out all the way up until 1969. Right. So those were years that KJM grew up personally experiencing a decade of peaceful civil disobedience, not so peaceful civil disobedience, Mm. marches, visionary speeches. But also he was there for the civil rights legislation that was being passed. Just below the angel, there is a phrase that is written twice, and it's splitting the composition Mm -hmm. um, where she's peeking out of the curtain, and it reads, what a time, what a time. Above the picture frame, there's the word remember, which is like you would miss it because it is barely visible. It's actually behind the curtains. It's being fragmented by the curtains. And like I said, I'm starting to get the feeling that the angel is actually slowly closing the curtains. (laughs) I don't think she's opening them. I think you might be right about that. Behind her, at the left and right, are the faces of President John F. Kennedy, Senator Robert F. Kennedy, and the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. floating in this heavenly cloud, and they all have wings. So off to our left is a portrait of Malcolm X, who is floating, but he doesn't seem to have any wings. Right. And he's separated by a great distance from MLK, JFK, and RFK, like arms length away yeah. from, from the rest of the heads, the floating heads. <laughs> all of these figures, all of them, were assassinated in the 1960s, and they were all important civil rights leaders. And it's interesting that MLK, JFK, RFK are grouped together because they are thought of as these peaceful civil rights activists, whereas Malcolm X, once again, thought you could or should use force if necessary. So they were all important to the civil rights movement, of course, but it shows you whether you're peaceful or not, you might get killed. And not everyone who's depicted died tragically. Some of them died of natural causes, like Augusta Savage. Sure. So while memento number five, mama number five, uh, isn't <laughs> quite mural-sized. It is still very overwhelming. It's still very large. It will just completely envelop your periphery if you're standing near it. Okay, so I have questions when I look at this painting. So the phrase, what a time. What happened is what I'm wondering. I read the angel like you, Russell, Mm. to be closing the curtains, not opening them. Yeah. So the curtains, they look like Venetian blinds, right? So it feels like the image is getting fuzzier. Your memory is getting harder and harder to remember clearly because you have these Venetian blinds obstructing your view. Even the word remember isn't clear in this painting. So maybe you're having a hard time remembering. I mean, maybe literally that is what he's saying. And then there's another aspect to the blinds that they are painted with glitter, right? And while it's attractive and glittery and glitzy, it also pushes you out of the space. It's true. It also distracts you from the space, too. I was about to say that. Yep. He also has included some flora. Now, we don't know exactly what he meant by including them, but generally speaking, from the ones that we could identify, goat willow branches, they're on our left side behind the angel. They represent spring and resurrection. And then we have white mums on the angel's right side that represent death, truth, and purity. So this all gives me a sense that we are maybe looking at a tranquil waiting room. Purgatory. Possibly, or or like you mentioned before, we're on a set, like a Hollywood movie set that is supposed to be like a heavenly waiting room. Yeah, so we are contractually obligated to make a David Lynch reference in every Art Slice episode, <laughs> and it reminds me of the in heaven, everything is fine, part from Eraserhead almost. Except she doesn't, the angel doesn't look messed up. But then something too with David Lynch, it's like something's always 
off. Like yeah. you can sense it. You yeah, can't see it. Yeah, there's something off it. in these. There's something oh, yeah, off in for these. For sure, for sure. Okay, so let's go back to the floating head. Speaking of things that are off, um, <laughs> <laughs> the cloud that MLK is floating in is emitting light and it's shining on the wall. And there are also windows on this side where there is light emanating through the blinds. Floating heads are also another David Lynch reference, but I'm only contractually <laughs> obligated to mention it once. Anyway, sorry. Okay, all right. So on the left side where Malcolm X is floating, there is no illumination whatsoever right. of any kind. Not from the cloud. Is he on a cloud? He's not. He's just floating. Yeah. There is no light. Not from window. Not from his floating head. Nothing. Um, And in fact, this is actually leading us to another room within the house that is not receiving natural light. So this part of the house and Malcolm X are left in shadow. Yeah, the curtains on that side are closed. So that, I think, is a very purposeful representation of the fact that maybe a lot of people don't want to remember Malcolm X. They don't want to come face to face with the, the fact that he was an important civil rights leader. We look fondly upon peaceful protesters. The peaceful protesters in the American narrative, they're the ones who made the changes, right? But that's only one side of the picture. And by only illuminating the peaceful protesters, you're actually obscuring civil rights leaders like Red Hampton and the Black Panthers or Malcolm X here because they don't fit in neatly with the narrative that most white Americans feel comfortable with. You know, it, the, the narrative being just like, oh, it was bad. And then Abraham Lincoln and MLK fixed it. Now we're fine. Shut up and buy your Dodge truck. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like our neighbor, this nice old white (laughs) woman. And I say white because she is. Yeah. Um, She had like a, not a Black Lives Matter sign, but basically Black Lives Matter adjacent Adjacent, sign that she had up in her lawn for a hot second. And then she took it down literally like the minute that Joe Biden won the presidency. <laughs> Joey B comes in, he fixes it, Steph. Cops, he told them to shoot at the at the legs, not not at the heart. Okay, well, right. You know Move along, move along. <laughs> what's so ironic about this angel closing the curtain, it's almost like the credits are rolling. Yep. Because that is just how good people with good intentions yeah. want to handle it. They want the narrative of, oh, hey, we've resolved this. Yeah, There's nothing to narrative. see here. Let's sweep it under the rug, behind the curtain. Exactly. When it isn't resolved, I think most people have a hard time handling the duality that KGM is talking about here. The both visible and invisible, right? He's purposefully obscuring much of what is going on in the painting. And he's both pushing the viewer out and then inviting them to peek around the blinds. It's one of my favorite compositional devices when an artist is able to actually make the viewer feel like they're a voyeur on the outside looking in because it's just this uncomfortable and complicated place to be in. Mm -hmm. And truth is uncomfortable and complicated. Yes. Slow clapping. A lot of of truth up in here. (laughs) Okay. That brings me back to the irony of the museum that is in our hometown that owns this piece. During the Black Lives Matter protests of 2020, last year actually around this time, the protests were happening less than a mile away from the museum where the police arrested more than 200 protesters, but not before they were tear gassed and shot with rubber bullets. So meanwhile, the museum is letting the police park their souped up pseudo military vehicles that my taxes paid for on the premises. (laughs) They were basically allowed to tailgate before the big game, the after tune, after tune, the after <laughs> the afternoon entertainment. So it was basically just like a lot full of guinies, if you ask me. Donde están los guinies? The guinies are on private property. That's where they are. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this 
made national news. And when the director of the museum was called out for it, instead of taking blame and apologizing, which is what you should do, that's just the right thing to do, he basically blamed the security yep. staff. Yep, yep. Blame the uh, blame the wage workers. Sounds about right. It's a great look. Make sure that silver spoon is still stuck between your butt cheeks. <gasps> oh my God, no. Why would you say that? <laughs> no. <laughs> And of course, this was just a year after the museum had exhibited a show of solely African-American artists, many of whom were making work that spoke specifically to the experiences that people like George Floyd or Breonna Taylor and a fucking myriad of other people have had to live with on a daily basis. We should say that the protests were mild. They were not as severe as in other cities. There was no burning buildings, Mm -hmm. no serious vandalism. I think this perfectly illustrates what Carrie James Marshall is speaking about in his work. When the narrative is convenient, when it doesn't impact my day-to-day life, then it's totally fine. We'll listen to it. But when it's uncomfortable, when there's not a clear-cut resolution to the story, then it is better pushed to the shadows. This piece also makes you uncomfortable because it makes you question yourself and your role in all of this. We all play a part. None of us are exempt. There's no reason to get defensive. You just need to look inward and realize mm-hmm. how you can change your behavior. Because a lot of it, we don't even realize that, that we are doing it. Right. But we have these images that are constantly bombarding us and there is no escaping them. So the question is, what will you do with this knowledge? Where were you during the protests? What are you doing to activate change? Don't be a curtain, be a cloud. Listeners, check out KJM's work. He is probably one of our favorite working artists We are very grateful to each and every one of you who have left us a five-star written review on their (laughs) pod player of choice. Thank you. And thank you to those who have picked up a three-pack of stickers. Which is now a four-pack of stickers. Yes, you heard that right. And listeners, we are sitting in a new fucking studio. A new fucking recording studio because of all of the people that bought stickers. So thank you very, very... Well, it's the same room. Okay, I was going to say, let's be clear about what it is. It's the same room, but we... Yeah, I don't know if you can tell our sound. We sound a little better now. I think we do. Yeah, and that is because we're not just surrounded by old dusty pillows that were giving me allergies. Thank you so much. And also thank you to everyone who has subscribed to us on all the things. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, kind of, sort of, in spirit, in spirit, Twitter in spirit. And those of you who have shared our YouTube sampler with friends who you think might enjoy the show. If you haven't done any of those things yet, please consider doing so it helps us feed the blood thirsty algorithm gods that haunt our dreams and my dreams especially (laughs) and then we can't sleep and listeners do you want us to sleep listeners you want russell to sleep trust me yeah anyway listeners remember to fill out the color surveys and thanks to those of you who have already contributed their color surveys they are hilarious and insightful and we're very excited to be using them in our upcoming top secret art slice research labs division of color studies uh, thing, miniseries, <laughs> whatever. Very new. All right, but lastly, listeners, we missed you, and we will be back. We will be back with a full episode that we are very excited about. It is very, it is very good. Soon. I'm very excited about it, and thanks again for allowing us to have that time to get our shit in order. And no, your kid could not have painted that. Bye bye. Bye.